podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Harry's time. Neil Atkinson <laughs> and John Gibbons interspersing this Anfield Rap City talk show. We're going to be back in a minute doing something else. You know how this works by now. You've been around the houses often enough, but we're going to talk about Harry's first and foremost. You look cleanly shaven today, Neil. I actually did shave with the Harry's this morning, which is ridiculous, but it is true. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that is accidental, but it's true. You've enjoyed the close shave that Harry's provides I have just indeed. today. I have indeed. I mean, I, I, I've said it before on this show, I'm not a big shaver. I'm a bit like Gary Lineker, and I, um, <laughs> it's one of the many things me and Linksy have got in common. We both think that Ben Johnson's quite amusing. <laughs> Um, and that, you know that, that that stands us in good stead. Um, but one of the other things that we we've got in common is, is is that I don't have to shave that much. I shave in the shower actually. Yeah. Uh, and it, that often, like if I've got a, like a big night, I'll do a proper. Do the biz. I'll do the biz. Yeah, but like yeah. on a day to day, I'm coping. I feel like but, that's harsh on Jacko's wedding, which is tonight. It is harsh on Jacko's. I know, I know. Um, I also thought I was doing talking reds today. To be honest with you, when I came in, so it's it shows. They're there every day. Yeah, they are. Um, so well, I might I might have a bit of time to spruce myself up for Jacko's wedding. I'm hoping anyway later on but yeah uh, I did indeed get the aloe vera uh, the special gel on and uh, and give it a go with with a Harry's razor today I've, I've, I've done it I've been in I've, I've made it happen and walking the walk and it honestly really is hugely convenient at times like this <laughs> honestly the best thing about this is you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do the product endorsement it is really useful if you very recently used the product yeah you can remember you remember all the benefits you can indeed so yeah we um, it is it's all, all a ton of fun uh, insofar as shaving ever is um, and you can get them for 3 dollars you can try them for the first place at three ninety five, uh, and if you don't love the order, it is on them. Uh, you've got to return the product within thirty days. But it is indeed a what is fair to say a high a higher quality shave, and you get it through us through harrys.com forward slash the Anfield Wrap. It's got the razor handle and that five blade blade cartridge, the gel and uh, the travel blade cover, which I'm going to say yet again, I have never used. <laughs> Not uh, sure where mine is. That's, yeah, um, and especially international dressers like me and you, Neil. We, we you know we should have use for stuff like that. I just take chances. <laughs> He's a maverick. I am a three ninety five. You know what I mean? Indeed, indeed. You know, you suddenly feel as though you can play fast and loose with the gear uh, at three ninety five. So the, the, you can get the sort of the plan about your shaving habits. They actually do do that. How often you shave, and then you get a setup that is uh, specific to them, and it determines what you'll receive in a sort of an ongoing sense. And so it can be extra blades. I think it says here two, three. It says two, three, or five months. I'm very much a five month guy, but I feel as though you know me intimately by this stage. Uh, and, you get, and then you get it. You get extra gel uh, with every delivery too. Uh, I'm now worried I'm over gelling <laughs> in comparison to my um, to my razor needs. Oh, well. I'm gonna have to have a think about that's, this. That's a good thing about them going specific. It's I'm, tailored to you. Well, I, I feel like I'm playing hard and fast now, fast and loose. Sorry, in the shower because there's water running everywhere. I maybe have to gel again. Oh God, I've, I've got a bag of nerves. Jeff and Andy have got you boxed. I'd like to think Jeff and Andy have got me boxed. Um, so yeah, it is. It is a good offer, and, and you know, I know that the Harry stuff is absolutely everywhere. You get to see it on websites. I see it all the time uh, because of all of this. But it is. It is a good product, and it is a good idea. And to be honest with you. Genu- I mean I've got home and bargain on my doorstep and I can't be bothered going and buying razors or anything like that so you're just getting them to your door John there's nothing wrong with it is there yes and it helps us as well stuff like this um, Harry's obviously you know come on board with us and support us we appreciate that but the more people kind of use the offer the, the better for us and, and the more likely to help keep helping us so harrys.com forward slash Anfield 395 give it a go and yeah we're happy to endorse it should we get back on with the, uh, the radio show footy let them go 
It is the Anfield Wrap. Friday evening, Liverpool. It does not get better than this. You've got a Merseyside derby on the horizon. If you're a Liverpool supporter, you've got a Champions League quarter-final. If you're an Everton supporter, all the best. Uh, I've got with me Mel Reddy, Rick McAvoy and Mo Stewart and we're going to be with you until half past seven. We're going to start this show going in depth into what happened at Anfield on Wednesday night with reference to matters that happened on the football pitch primarily because that's our concern. Uh, and then we're also going to shift ourselves forwards, look at next week and also look ahead to the Merseyside derby. But everything... Everything is coloured by what happened on Wednesday night with Liverpool winning 3-0 and what is to come next. The Merseyside derby is of secondary significance and we will be discussing different teams and all of that sort of stuff as your evening wears on. But let's start off with how good Liverpool were. Uh, it was Melissa Reddy. It was a phenomenal performance from the Reds. Um, the goal comes at the right time. Manchester City start well. They've smothered Liverpool really rather well. The shape that they would go out with was arguably working for them for 10 minutes. They don't threaten that much, but they're on top in the game. And then Liverpool score from nowhere. They just get the ball, Man City corner, turn it round. 15, 20 seconds later, it's in the back of the Manchester City net. And it's a whole new game. It's a whole new thing for everyone to have to deal with. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was a surprise that City had so much possession at the start. I think everyone would have expected that, including Liverpool. I actually think Liverpool wanted that because the way to hurt City is to then, as soon as they lose a semblance of control, which is what their entire game is about, that's where you can hurt them most and that's exactly what happens. Brilliant defending leads to a, a quick break with every player making the right decision in it. Um, and from that point on, City are rattled because I think they, they come to Anfield with the intention of not allowing Liverpool an early goal. They want the, the possession that they had as well was quite instructively slow possession to sort of settle the game, try and quieten the crowd, just make sure that Liverpool don't get off to a rapid start because if they do, I think City knew they were going to be in trouble because then, you know, it uh, encourages the crowd, it encourages the players and then it, it creates the organised chaos that they don't like to play in and that they've struggled with continuously against Liverpool. So once that goal goes in, they're sitting there thinking, oh goodness, the one thing we've wanted not to happen has happened, we've lost control and then I think that starts to play into their heads, it permeates their... Their thoughts and the other big thing is from the first whistle they wanted to isolate Trent Alexander-Arnold against Leroy Sané who was playing exceptionally wide he was practically on the touchline and um, using David Silva to try and expose any space so even if Trent tried to block off Sané they had Silva there wanting to expose a space between Trent and the centre-backs that also wasn't coming off for them and because they opted for an extra midfield player they didn't have as much threat as as they would have in possession and I know the thing is Raheem Sterling's not really had good games at Anfield but I think with the form he's been in this season um, everyone covering City was surprised that he wasn't selected um, let's start with that because that, that that approach there to their manager Mo, it suggested a form of conservatism, a form of concern. If we're honest about it, that there was compromises were being made in order to deal with Liverpool, and I think compromises, if you're a manager, compromises are great. Right up until the point at which they stop working and you start to be behind. And I think that's one of the things that you see. Suddenly the City players, they're not quite as sure as what they're meant to be doing as they'd like to be. And Liverpool will exploit that. Very much so. I think it's a really interesting point, though, when you think about the top-level managers like Guardiola's and Klopp's and the idea of how much is control, that's what they want, and how much is it they have to sometimes adapt. 
and what message that sends to the players. I think uh, while I was doing the Talking Reds a couple of days ago with Paul Cope and he mentioned that the idea that we were very much trusting of our methodology and our belief system and saying that if we play the way we always play we will endure whereas for Pep Guardiola his changes his adaptions were because out of fear of what we do rather than about giving us a new problem obviously they had the idea of uh, exposing Trent but that wasn't really what the team changes were about it was protecting Sterling from the crowd it was protecting the midfield with an extra uh, uh, guy from Gundogan so already men mentality wise you're not putting yourselves on that front foot and the situation that we were in from Liverpool having to use every little bit of to our advantage to try and upset the balance so to speak we fed off that and I think we could see the players on the pitch could see that when City's ideas were running out that was actually giving us a bit more momentum there's I think there's, these are two managers who I think have got a lot in common, Rick. Uh, I think they've got a lot in common in a lot of their approach and how they sort of view the game and in how they, they also view the sort of the wider thing around the game. They both very much manage for process. It's the idea that we've got our way of playing and we're going to work towards it. What I think's come clear in this game and in the approaches and in the the the, the reactions is that there is a there is something there is a profound difference between them. And I think you can argue that one places control above almost everything else whereas the Liverpool manager is more prepared to embrace chaos and therein find control rather than the idea that you have control first and then you move from there and I think certainly it suits him when he comes up against Guardiola to embrace chaos to embrace some anarchy and say you know what I'll back my lads to react better in these circumstances and come out the other side on top well it it kind of goes back to that that quote from Klopp's first press conference, right? They drag them down to our level um, and, and kill them while they're down there, basically. So he's he's admitting right from the start, there's going to be teams who are better than us, but we've got to make them play our game. Um, part of that is very much the whole the, the, the whole chaos element of it, where you've got quite a flexible system, although... Uh, you write it down week to week it tends to be quite stable quite consistent formation there's so much flexibility in there whether it be in the uh, central midfield whether it be in in the front three there's just players moving everywhere it's a nightmare to play against I would imagine not that I've ever done anything like that (laughs) Um, but you you can't set up as a centre half knowing well I'm going to stick with Firmino because next thing you know he's going to be picking up the ball on the halfway line by the left wing uh, you can't you can't track a man. You you've got to be zonal, and that brings its own problems. I thought, to be honest, looking at the city team, when when you see it written down with uh, Laporta at left back and Gundogan on right wing, I almost thought, well, the way it's written down there, picture it being on on like a disc. Right, all the names written down on the disc. If you rotate that disc maybe 30 <laughs> degrees to the, well, anti-clockwise, then you've got a back three, you've got Sane running the left wing, you've got Walker running the right wing, and Silver and Gundogan in behind. Um, uh, Jesus. Jesus. So that's that's kind of how I expected it to be, because I thought, well, Laporte, is, he's not a left-back, and you don't put a player who's not a left-back against the best player in the league. And you don't put a central midfielder out in the right wing replacing your available top goal scorer, the guy who's 
you, the player you can currently pick who has most goals for you. And I think it it kind of reflected a little bit, almost a City's mindset. They don't get a result at Anfield. You, they they haven't for years. Sterling has a bad game at Anfield for the last three seasons. And you, and you look at it and go, well, come on, guys. You've got Guardiola as your manager. You've got this fantastic record this season. You're better than that. You you don't change. You you don't go back into your shell here. You you come out and do what you do, and they didn't. I that it's the goal that that, that really nails that down. I think Mo. And yeah. in fact, no, it isn't. I'm actually going to contradict myself. It's the Sané miss. The Sané miss that comes straight after the goal is right. is perhaps the turning point of the whole game. They've got themselves through. They're the three on two. He's just does Sané no favors at all with his run. He creates no space for him and doesn't make himself an option. He manages to do the, the complete opposite of what you'd want in the situation. But Sané can still score. He can still stick it in the bottom corner. He doesn't. And then from that point, the first half does just belong to Liverpool. Yes. There's, there's there's moments that City get because they're good footballers. They're a good side. But the mo the side it just belongs to the Reds. Yeah, I think that that moment uh, where City aren't at their sharpest is put into clear focus by when you look at what happened around our goal where Firmino was able to steal it off Walker's toe because we were the sharpest. And I think that was the beginning of that tide turning because early on City had what they would like to call comfortable possession where they were able to see where we were playing, who was going where, who was following whom and keep hold of the ball at the time, same time of doing it without ever actually threatening the goal. So they were preparing it to be a game like that for a long time. Whereas Liverpool were like, nah, we're not having that. And as soon as the opportunity to spring on them came, we did it and we did it sharply and it came and they scored a goal. The Sane miss... Um, I th- remember thinking Aguero in that situation would have scored from the shot, but Aguero probably also would have played it to the left to where De Bruyne was making an overlapping run. So that kind of sharpness of taking your chances when you get it early on in a tie like that, I think that's what helped turn the tide. Opportunity, grabbing opportunities, taking them in the game, the idea of chances, Mel, but also suddenly realising the game's there for you. It's something so Liverpool, I think, do well in the 4-3. I think they do it well here, but also want to... On quite a personal level, there's a number of footballers for whom that is that's the biggest night of their lives. I think it's quite easy to say that for Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's all, you can probably say that for Andy Robertson, the biggest night of his life, certainly professionally, if not yeah. in total. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, mm. a footballer who much maligned, maligned when he signed for Liverpool, maligned for two years before that sort of point, became some sort of talisman of, of failure at Arsenal. Yeah gets the opportunity to make it 2-0 in the way in which he does and just is is ruthless in doing so. And, you know, that is, for him professionally, this this, this is the biggest game of his life mm. and the opportunities have come for him and he's absolutely grabbed them and he deserves enormous credit. Yeah, you know, when I was thinking about it there at the stadium, I was looking at every player on the pitch, every Liverpool player, and I was like, massive performance, massive performance, massive performance. And I think individually, you couldn't fault anyone any any Liverpool player and the thing was collectively they were so strong as well and you could tell why City especially in that first half was so rustled at times because you couldn't find a weak point to exploit and, and the one that they had thought they'd sussed out before the game in Trent and that they you know every time before De Bruyne even had his head up he was firing that diagonal across for Trent to have that game, I mean, you know, most clearances, most passes, most interceptions, uh, the deliveries he put in, everything. Uh, it, it was quite 
a difficult task for City. And, you know, in the second half, even when they had all the ball, they had possession, but they weren't finding any joy out of it because Liverpool showed two sides of them. And I think all the players as well did. Showed a very aggressive side but also a very disciplined side and I think when you combine those two and that sort of atmosphere and that sort of game uh, it's quite hard to combat and in the pre-match show we did in in the under the light show I mean we spoke about all that we we spoke about City's uh, dependence on control and how they hate facing Liverpool most because Liverpool brings so much chaos that it's hard to keep that control in. And also, we said City would have the ball, but Liverpool had to take their chances. And in the first half, it was four shots on target, three goals. Uh, and that's what it boiled down to. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. We're going to talk more about that second half after the break. Also, we're going to be looking ahead to the fixture next Tuesday night and Liverpool's approach. And of course, there's a Merseyside derby on the horizon. It's such a packed show. It's bursting at the seams. Take it easy, Liverpool, back in a second. We're back with Mel, we're back with Mo, we're back with Rick and we're going to be keeping going on this fantastic performance of Liverpool from Wednesday night for a little while longer just yet. And second half, Rick, they come out and Liverpool Liverpool are keeping the nerve but they come out second half. They've clearly been told you can calm down boys, it's 3-0, it's not the end of the world. There's still three halves of football to play here, nothing is decided. And they begin to turn the screw and then the next thing happens, they turn the screw but they're still playing in front of us and then there's the Salah injury. And for me... The manager makes a really big decision there because it looks like Salah could have gone either way. But he thinks to himself, you know what, I need to protect this football. That it's not all or nothing now. I've got a game against these next week and hopefully more games to come. Staggering maturity in the moment from both manager and player. But it does say something about the state of the game at that point and his man, the manager backing the players on the pitch. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the first thing to remember about that in, in the context of that game is, is what happened in January. I, we were three goals up against them and in the last 10 minutes we conceded two. You know, taking a one-goal lead to the Etihad with them having scored two away goals is a completely different story than than three in a clean sheet. So, yeah, it, it, it was probably a, a bit of a, a factor of the fact that we had um, just, just kept them at arm's length. Yeah, they'd had a lot of the ball. Uh, yeah, we'd hit them on the break and yeah, it would probably restrict our, our ability to hit them in the break. Uh, from then on but they weren't really laying a glove on us even that first 10 minutes after half time they were seeing a lot of the ball they were switching it well they were moving it quickly they were looking on the verge of being dangerous without actually being dangerous um, and just in terms of what you were saying earlier about the, um, the the biggest games of their life for Trent and for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and stuff like that you look through that entire team there's not players in that team who've played quarterfinals in the Champions League you know even our, our captain on the night probably biggest games the end of 13-14 it was a title run and we didn't win there's no collective experience there so for the manager to have that faith in them it, it just it, it says a world to them it says the world to them though but I think it also says it also says he feels as though one aspect of the game's done. Mm-hmm. He can still offer a little something there. I felt a bigger loss from Salah coming off, and it can sound an easy and trite thing to say. He's a magnificent footballer. He's probably player of the year. But for me, where it actually damaged Liverpool the most was losing Oxley chamberlain from midfield more than the idea of losing, losing Salah from the attack, if you know what I mean. That, mm-hmm. At that point, Salah from the attack was just a bonus. But Oxley chamberlain from midfield, with his energy, his power, his pace in there, was making a massive difference. Uh, he definitely was. And I think the problem for Klopp was that Genie took about 10 to 15 minutes to get up to speed in the game to really feel in his rhythm. 
uh, I like also I also think that as much as it is commendable that he put um, the long term future of Salah and the season ahead of that game it would have been very interesting to see if it had happened at nil nil in the game it would have happened I don't think he'd have had that option I think there's part of Klopp that felt like if we only score three goals in this game as if they don't score then we're actually still in a fantastic position. So there probably would have been some idea of pragmatism creeping into his mind at that point anyway. In terms of trusting the guys on the pitch, I feel like that's something that needed to happen at this point in order to get over this hump that we've had of game management in the past where we've looked ponderous and scared almost in good positions because of past instances. Whereas this time there was a lot more of a measured way about it. You could tell that they were tiring physically, but they weren't tiring mentally. There weren't People were getting over there slower, but they were still getting over there. The spaces were still closing up and we were just doing enough until maybe the last 15 minutes when City started to wane a little bit and we were thinking, okay, we've done the, we've broke the back of this. We can now see it out from here. When Alden Mel is slightly, I think you can probably, to be honest, pick, pitch most of his Liverpool career as being at least a little bit enigmatic. Mm. He's had a season this season where you're never quite sure what it is that you're going to get uh, before he arrives on the pitch. And I think that that's further compounded by this illness he's had. Mo's right before when he says it takes him 10 minutes to sort of get himself settled. I actually think he finishes the game pretty strongly, which you yeah. would expect given the relative fitness levels. Yeah. But he's, he's he's about to become very, very important to this Liverpool season, Gini Wijnaldum, one way or another. And I think Liverpool could do with him finding his sea legs quite quick. Yeah, I think... You know, to be fair to him, we've got to say that, and I think we've referenced this so many times in the past, this is the most intense game you can play against this City side. The way Liverpool want to play football, the way City play football, the fact that you've got three goals and you're now defending, so City have all the possession, it's, it's quite a difficult um, tactical environment to come in. And his job will have been, you know, to try and break up their play as much as possible, regain possession, uh, try to recycle it. And, you know, the point you made about losing Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is exactly the reason why in the pre-match show I was so keen for him to start. It's because when he has possession, he hurts the opposition. He That's his instinct. He, he wants to play the through ball. He wants to carry the ball upfield himself. He, he's just automatically dynamic. And, you know, Wijnaldum is safer probably as well. The instructions he got when he came on was to be a little bit more protective given the situation. Uh, but I think Liverpool missed out on, on an opportunity in the second half to further enhance their lead because it was set up for them on the break. The loss of Salah massively affects them in that regard because you are losing your you know biggest threat you the, the player that was built for the break um and i think that uh you know was in the heads of the players salah's got we're not going to be able to be um as slick on the break or you know as sharp as clinical so they tended to be safer you heard young klopp afterwards say that wasn't actually the intention he wanted them to still you know, when they won possession back to still go full tilt. Uh, but I think, yeah, the, the fact that Salah's gone, you, you lose the fear factor for City a bit because they're no longer worrying about him. It affects your players a bit because they know it's not going to be the same without him. But also, 
Chamberlain moving from midfield. And I think one of the things Ox does so well that maybe doesn't get as much credit is when he's in a tight space, he gets possession and he's able to give it very quickly, but in a very instructive way. Um, he makes things happen in, you know, over distances he's and stuff, but in pa- short spaces He's a fascinating well. passer of the ball, I think, Mel. Yeah. In that I, you know, when he first came, I think he's I think he's improved, but I don't think he's improved because Liverpool have sat him down and worked loads of them technically. I think they've worked on the picture in his head. And now he's got, I think he's playing in this Liverpool side versus what he had at Arsenal. I think he's got a really clear picture in his head of where everything is. And I'm, I, you know, I'm really, at times perhaps, he's, he is, I think Sean Rogers said this the other day, and I had a fair bit of sympathy for the point. At times perhaps the technique maybe doesn't quite match up to the quality of the picture he's actually now got in his head. But he's constantly passing the ball in a manner which says, this is what I want you to do next. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that, is, that is something that really tells you the quality of him as a footballer. Yeah, the... The thing that always I come back to with uh, Chamberlain is if you go back, I think it might have been in 2009, he gave an interview to Arsenal's official website and it was a piece about him and uh, one of the questions was describe yourself as a player. And what he described himself is the player he is now, but the player you never got to see at Arsenal. You know, he said he wants to have a shot. He wants to take players on. Um, he wants to carry the ball upfield. He wants to hit passes early. You, you never saw that at Arsenal because that's not Arsenal's game. And he says it himself. He says the manager, you know, when I want to have a shot, he tells me no, go for the short pass. So his game ha- was completely curtailed because the system didn't suit his strengths. But in saying that, what he learned at Arsenal, I think, complements what he can do at Liverpool so well because you know he is that d- dynamic player as I've said over a stretch he can carry the ball up but the Arsenal style of being able to pass short in a crowded space he's also got that and I think the more confident you could see it every every goal he scores every assist he gives you can see him that self-belief starting to grow because one of the things Wenger said about him his father has said about him and Klopp has said about him as well is he doesn't know how good he is mm. and he doesn't know how good he can be. And I think slowly he's starting to learn that. One of the things that always stuck in my mind with him is uh, one of the times Arsenal won the FA Cup and there was an interview on the pitch with him. And I think Steven Gerrard was there and he says that he was his idol growing up and he wanted to be like him. And there was a little bit of a, a mocking laughter, not amongst them, but amongst a lot of other people, of the idea that he could potentially be like Steven Gerrard. No one at Arsenal really truly believed in him centrally in the pitch. They kind of paid lip service to it because they knew that that's where he wanted to go. But they always thought he would be better at wide coming in. Whereas now, when you look at not just the way he plays for Liverpool, the goal he scored... Think about it. The the ball was a, a tackle won by Milner, a short pass paid to him. There's a, not a massive window of space. He's thinking, right, I'm going for this, brings the ball forward, hits it uh, in the Steven Gerrard corner, you, you could almost call it. And when you think about the impact he has on games and the goals and assists that he's done, it's always about him bursting past someone, driving the team forward and making something happen. And you're starting to see those Gerrard comparisons coming in. And if he can see it and he can see how his game is growing, giving this opportunity, I see no reason he can't get to another level. There's then 
the next part of this is everyone being counted at the back as well uh, Rick you know just to, just to sort of sum that up Liverpool the goalkeeper doesn't have a save to make but he's very very alert throughout the game smothering things in key areas coming for them as they come uh, you know I think uh, Van Dijk plays perfectly well Lovren impresses uh, next to next to Alexander-Arnold the point about all of this is Liverpool get the 3-0 and it's a 3-0 you're able to say they deserve they deserve it on the balance of play they deserve it on the balance of chances they deserve to be able to go to the Etihad with that lead with that advantage and they can also take massive confidence from it because we know and we're going to talk about it in a minute what's going to happen there yeah there's there's there were no real surprises in the way that City kept going the probably the biggest surprise of, of the entire game was uh, the resilience and resolution of our, our defence overall. You know, you, you compare that back to January, Van Dijk just into the team against City and there's gaps, there's spaces, there's not an understanding. And it would be kind of not unexpected if that was still there. You know, you've had Trent and Gomez rotating all season. You've had Matip and Lovren rotating since Van Dijk's come in. So to me, it's, it's, it's quite impressive that that back four, which hasn't played together all that often, had such a great understanding. And it's a good thing, given the inju- injuries we've started to rack up. But I don't see how they're going to do anything greatly different next week from the, from the City perspective. Maybe if Aguero's back, yeah. But I... I just thought our defence were on point with exactly where they needed to be. They were cutting out the passing lanes. They were marking the men. They were pushing City into areas they didn't want to go. Sane constantly inside. Um, Walker constantly into a crowd. You know, we were making it hard for them to do what they want to do. Uh, all right, that is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. After the break, we're going to have a big, long talk about making City do what they don't want to do on Tuesday as well. Can the Reds manage that? Don't go anywhere. It's your Reds Beck conversation, which drops in at this stage, Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons. The fantasy competition we mentioned the other week, it's not going to start this week. We had a chat today with uh, with Reds Bet, and their attitude was one of, listen, all the Reds are focused on Everton and then Manchester City back-to-back. Have a chat about it next week and set it up from there, so that competition's going to run from next week. In general, John, we haven't had a chat about the derby, really. How are you feeling about it? It's a strange one, isn't it? It's it's. A- it's a funny one how it's landed uh, in that I wrote something for, for Paddy Power today in, in which I said that Everton could win today and Liverpool fans would still finish the weekend happier uh, what tomorrow or, or whatever you want to do it and um, that's kind of how it feels really it feels like we're in such a good place and Everton are in a place where they just want rid of the manager now and they're not going to go down they're not going to qualify for the Europe they're just in this middle ground where they, they can't believe what they're watching and so so going in with that, it almost feels like it would always be quite evident to win this one, where they've you know they've pumped themselves up for derbies for so long, and they've had such a bad record recently that they could win this one and, and still be a bit down, especially after what Jaladice you know take credit for the whole thing straight after the game. So it's it's a funny one. I mean, we'll have to see how strong we go, but I'm struggling to not think about winning the Champions League at the moment and it's what I think about when I wake up and it's what I think about when I go to sleep and it's what I think about for most of the in-between and so this Everton game feels like one of the less important derbies that kind of I've known It's weird isn't it I, I'm quite like I'm really looking forward to it in a really strange way in terms of I think if you say, if we go with a, a certain mindset and I hope we do 
I can't almost, you know, unless something terrible happens, like, you know, they, they score four or five or something, or three even possibly, but I sort of can't see how it's not going to end up, you know, let's just say we get a, he, he does a huge, a hugely weak inside and we get a draw. And they're furious, and they're throwing the kitchen sink at it at the end. All the furious because they're not throwing the kitchen sink at it at the end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't sort of almost see why it feels like the nearest thing towards. You know what we often talk about football? How it's not pre-season friendlies aren't pre-season friendlies, and Merseyside derbies are always going to be things you're going to be desperate to win. But you're not like, um, like you know how? All right, so a test match. Do you know what I mean? Like you can enjoy a test match even if the side you want to win isn't winning a test match. Yeah, and and I don't think you get many of those sporting opportunities, and you don't get many of them in life, full stop. But you don't get many of them in football. And my point is more the idea of being able to go to this game, have a really good laugh, being a Liverpool supporter. That's the key thing. Hopefully, get the opportunity to laugh your heads off if if we pick a weakened team, and it still beats a full strength Everton who are going for it, hammer and tongs, and all of that is you don't get that. You know what I mean? You don't get many of them in your life. If that's the way it ends up, then I think you know we can, we can enjoy the day. I'm just not like. I'm just not psyched for it. And also, I think he'll go reasonably strong. I think he'll... Almost a halfway house. Yeah, and I think that the lads who are likely to play Tuesday, I'm going to be wincing every time they go in for the tackle. And I think there's going to be a little bit of that to me that's going to be... Because he's going to have to play one of those centre-halves, at least. I think he'll probably go both of them. But I think he's going to have to pick one of them. Because um, you can't just, just pick two 18, 19-year-old centre-halves. It's not fair on them. And so... So I think you'll pick at least one of them, and then in which case, you know, you're worrying about him. You know, what's you know, is what's he going to do in midfield? You feel like he's got to, you know, all right, Henderson will play, but he's got to pick one other. I think at least two will play. Well, I think there's, I think there's virtue to playing Wijnaldum. If you're going to have to play Wijnaldum at City, I think Wijnaldum needs some time on the pitch. I think yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. So yeah, there's one of those. I think one of the forward players will play probably Mane, and so I think I'll be wincing a little bit kind of every time that they go against tackles and kind of worrying about them but but generally speaking I think I think you, your attitude is probably right I just feel that you know it's it's a shame that it's probably my favourite game of the season Goodison away so you'd almost feel like you've lost Goodison yeah, away yeah I know, I know what you mean on that and that's a really fair point the idea that we've all lost Goodison away is <laughs> no it does have some value yeah, to it because yeah. it shouldn't be a game that you're looking at and going I'm really not like it's in the middle of these two games that I, I would have died to see Liverpool win. Yeah, and now there's this, and this should be the th- the one that you're the most desperate to see yeah, for yeah, a variety exactly. of reasons. All right then, uh, should we do the, do the Reds bet stuff? Go on, see what we've got. Uh, Everton nil, Satis Liverpool to win to nil. Yeah, I think that's probable. I would say what odds are they offering on that? It says two point nine. Yeah, I've got it in I've got it in decibels. I've never quite. So that's two to one basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is probably right. Right, I think there's a good chance of that happening. Uh, Derby Derby donkey Everton to miss a penalty. <laughs> Mersey magician Mo Salah to score three or more. Uh, don't think Mo Salah gets on the pitch, lads. Unfortunately, no. We've got to be honest with our friends here at Red's Bet. Uh, you're in my heart. It's in your goal. <laughs> I, I'm hoping I'm getting to one that's, that's got the no, no, matter, matter thing coming in a minute, but I don't think it has. Uh, Liverpool to score in the first 10 minutes. I quite like that one. Uh, that is, that, that's knocking around, I think, it's, uh, at 11 to 2. Uh, red, red wine. Liverpool to win the game with a goal in second half stoppage time. Imagine. 33 to 1. Best of bitter. Liverpool to win from behind. Uh, that's, I think, 13 to 2. All right. You can see how that happens as well. Yeah, uh, perfect weekend as Liverpool win, Man United lose, Arsenal lose. Man United have got Manchester City, Arsenal are at home to Southampton. Hey, that was off the top of my head, that, John. So, I feel like Arsenal at home every week at the moment. It's mental. Like, it's, has anyone looked into it? It's one of those stages of the season where things like that happen and you're thinking, that's not on that. Yeah. That's cheating. Yeah. I'm, 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 no, I'm no expert. <laughs> like, uh, do you know Paul Cope's theory on 13-14? 
that no one's actually sat down and count back, counted back Man City's points. Yeah, it's possible. Is that what Chelsea's doing in the league by playing West Brom at home three times a season? <laughs> and everyone just went, well, it can't be, that can't be right. And, and, and there, they yeah. are. there they were. Great weekend is Liverpool win, Man United fail to win, Arsenal fail to win. That's got a bit of interest. Horrible weekend is Liverpool lose to Everton, Manchester United beat Man City. You see, I'm not, again, you know, we've got our friends at Reds Bet, but the encourage us to be honest. I'm not that asked if United win at City. In fact, yeah, if anything, it'd be quite funny. Yeah, uh, and I want them to do it in the most horrible way possible. I keep saying it on all the shows. I want Mourinho not to wash for four days before <laughs> this one to look at his worst. Arsenal win as well. That's sitting there. That's forty to one. That one. Uh, if you want to have your insurance bet on the horrible weekend, you've got all of it there, right the way through. Listen, um, we are always uh, happy to be involved with Reds Bet. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we're very, very... Imp- I've, got, I've got words to say here, John, you see. Do you want to fill for me for a second? <laughs> I'm trying to find them. Yes, uh, I will be having... If I had to go for one of those bets, I think it would be... Well, the most appealing is obviously Liverpool winning a stoppage time, but I think the value is Liverpool coming from behind to win. We've done that a little bit recently, and I think that's a decent one. That is a decent one. Listen, uh, Reds Bet do support us. We're very, very pleased that they do so, and Reds Bet is tailoring itself towards Liverpool fans whilst being in the process of building those partnerships right the way across the globe, actually, with supporters that enable them to share 50% of the net profits back from bets to be used for, for fan causes. I wrote this down before. You say I couldn't find it then. And other initiatives that matter to supporter. You've just heard the special bets, and they're trying to offer a fun and innovative take on betting uh, on sports betting uh, and you can gamble on whatever you want but if you don't gamble it's not for you that is not what Reds Bet are looking to achieve what they are looking to achieve is that people who do gamble elsewhere might come over to them because they can see that they've got all of these things they're trying to do around Liverpool supporters and we do want you to gamble responsibly if you are going to do so that's very important indeed and don't think that we think for a second it isn't and we always appreciate your patience on this sort of stuff so you can find all of that sort of stuff at gamblingtherapy.org for instance as one option and alternative this has been our little segment here let's get back to everyone else it's a really good show, by the way, John City Talk. Oh, I look forward to listening. It's an absolute belter. Uh, I'll do it get, on my train to the game tomorrow. Let's get over. It is 7 o'clock. It is the Anfield wrap back. Uh, Neil Atkinson. We've got Mel Reddy, Mo Stewart, and Rick McAvoy with you to talk first and foremost, and it probably shouldn't be in this order, but it's going to be about Tuesday night's game against Manchester City and what we can take from the first leg, if anything, and move forward with. And then also the Merseyside derby, uh, which is coming tomorrow. Liverpool going to Goodison Park uh, to go and see some really, really miserable Evertonians and hopefully keep that on them some more. Uh, but the chances are, I think, anyway, this is a derby Everton should be winning. We'll come on, we'll talk about that. But first and foremost, let's talk about Jordan Henderson. Um, Rick, it's a massive blow, the yellow cards. I think he's got to do it. Uh, you know, I've watched it, I watched it in real time, I watched it back. His midfield partners are all well up the pitch. Um, they are, I think they've got a four on four if, if Henderson lets him get past him. And I think he just thinks, you know what, well, I've got to take this one and hope he doesn't book me. He does get booked. Given the Emre Chan news, you know, that is now genuinely can be put on a list of your concerns when it comes to the second leg. Yeah, I mean, I would have had massive concerns anyway because I'm such a natural pessimist. Uh, <laughs> but then finding out, well, yeah, Henderson's going to miss it, but Chan should be back. So that's, oh, no, he's he's gone now as well. Um, it does it does make you worry about, well, who are we actually going to put in the middle of the park? Once you've, you've, you've pretty much got Wijnaldum, Milner and Oxlade-Chamberlain that, that's pretty much it the, the flip side of that is yeah but we've also got a game on, on Saturday morning well Saturday lunchtime that uh, we also need to put three people in the middle of the park for so it's, it's frustrating and I can't imagine it's frustrating for anyone more than it's frustrating for Henderson because you know in his head I'm sure he's gone back to 13-14 again you know, playing City, getting yeah. a late card, missing a vital game. You know, it's it's one, if not three, this time. But 
you know, it's the one that counts. If, if we don't that win that one, head since it happened, yeah. to be honest with you, if you don't win that one, then the other two don't matter because they don't exist. They don't exist. Mm. So it's 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 a kick in the um, somewhere painful teeth. We'll use teeth. Teeth, <laughs> teeth. Yes, very much so. Um, but I, I still think we've. It's it's not the concern it would have been maybe 18 months ago. Mel, we discussed Wijnaldum part one. Um, I, I think there's, there's there's a, well, before seven o'clock more accurately, pre-season, it was noticeable, I thought, that you could see he was using Wijnaldum deepest yeah. in a number of pre-season games. And a lot of people talked about three at the back. That's tricky for Liverpool to actually achieve as well, given mm-hmm. the current situation. There's a lot of noise being made that they could do something clever or unlikely. I almost feel that the manager, the way in which he is with his players... The flip side of the Guardiola thing, I think he'll almost askew clever, unlike, clever and unlikely and instead say, I've got full faith in you boys and I think you will see Wijnaldum with someone very close to him, but I think you will see him perhaps go with Wijnaldum deepest, possibly with, with Milner being very, very near him throughout much of the game. Yeah, in pre-season we spoke to Wijnaldum actually about being used as a six and it's something he's done before um, for the national team. Um, and he's comfortable with it. Obviously, I think Wijnaldum's changed his game so much already being at Liverpool because, you know, he's seen himself as a number 10, quite an attacking player. And he's changed and he's become a much disciplined player, allowing, you know, whoever's alongside him in midfield um, now, as would be the case, Oxley chamberlain who's, you know, a much more aggressive, energetic player. To, to do what he ordinarily would have liked to have done or would have seen himself doing previously. So I think he does have the capabilities of playing as a six. Um, I think what you miss with Henderson is he's natural. He's a natural tempo setter. It's just something, it's just in him. It, it comes quite naturally. Um, and, you know, everyone, I think, assumed that, okay, the card is not that bad because Emre would be coming back and Emre thrives in, in those little personal battles that happen on the pitch. But it is what it is. And I think, you know, the, the thing with the derby is if you're thinking about which fixture would you assume you most likely to pick up the, an injury in mm. or injuries in, you'd pick that one because it has been so feisty. I mean, Liverpool have lost Divock Origi in recent times, Sadio Mane, uh, in these sorts of games because of, you know, challenges they that kicked are... kicked lumps out of Emery Chan yeah, last season at yeah. Anfield. Emery didn't care because he was very Emery about the enterprise, but they kicked <laughs> lumps out of him. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's probably the worst fixture you could have before Tuesday's game and you've got to be so safe. I, you know, I'd not risk anyone or any of the positions that you think to yourself, if we have an injury here, we're absolutely messed on Tuesday. So I'd go as safe as possible for the derby, keeping Tuesday in mind. I know Klopp doesn't like to do that because he always wants to think about the next game first, but I think these are exceptional circumstances, given the defensive or lack of defensive cover and lack of midfield cover where you've just got to take a, a few gambles. It's a strange one as well because the Liverpool players who have traditionally been quite fragile to injury have been in positions where in this game in particular they're going to be putting the body on the line. I'm thinking of Lovren in particular. And he's not really been able to build up a full season of being able to be relied on week in, week out. So he's a worry. Regarding Wijnaldum at six, I don't necessarily think it's going to be 
as much of a problem as it would have been. We've got to remember we're going to have a lot less of the ball in this game than we would yeah. be normally as standard. And I think having Van Dijk behind him means that if they do try to put the squeeze onto Wijnaldum to kind of pressure him into giving the ball to Lovren, hopefully there's always still going to be an option to give it to Van Dijk and he has long-range passing ability. So maybe between the two of them, some of um, Henderson's qualities are going to be kind of spread out a little bit. There is already. Uh, Rick, I'm going to go to you as the pessimist, but I don't think it is <laughs> pessimism. I think the quality of City, you know, the idea that it only takes one early goal, a 1-0 Manchester City lead at half-time to make you nervous. Two goals first half, you know, Manchester City are more than capable of that. They've got four or five players on the pitch who can score from 25 yards. Companies already talking about 5-1 um, and things like that and they are going to carry the, the, the greatest possible threat I think I, I, this is this this tie is not over I think if we were facing any other uh, English league side I think this tie would be over but let's be yeah. really really honest Rick this isn't over no uh, watching back the game the other day and it's not a huge leap of imagination to picture one of those early diagonals to Sane catching Trent on the hop and all of a sudden you're looking at a very different game in the first 10 minutes and it's 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 kind of my biggest surprise from the other day was that we managed to keep them at arm's length for so long and I cannot see us doing it for another 90 minutes it's just how we react to what happens how much of a threat we retain uh, for me Obviously, it's vital that we, we can have the, the same front three as Wednesday on the pitch on Tuesday um, because we need to be able to offer that threat. By by 60 minutes, 65 minutes on Wednesday, City centre-halves are on the halfway line. They're, they're not worried about us getting in behind them. We still had Mane on the pitch at that point, right? So mm. at that point, if that's me as a centre-half, I'm still wanting to give myself a bit of room, but they, they weren't interested. They're just going to camp in our half and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. If we've if we've still if we've got Salah and Mane and Firmino in, in tow, then then I I think we've we're perfectly set up for deal, dealing mm. with them coming at us. And it's important to remember they're not going to change a lot. Yeah. They don't change the way they play. They no. don't throw everything out because of one bad result. The, the first leg was Liverpool just being perfect in terms of you know being clinical when chances came defending so diligently covering for each other and to have the perfect game twice in quick succession with the derby in between against the best team in England and one of the best teams in Europe if not the best I think I don't think anyone wanted to draw City apart from us maybe apart from the fact you're not getting a European trip but um it's it's so so difficult and you know they're going to come out aggressive you know they're going to go for it you know they're going to want to smother you with possession they're going to look for the control um in saying all that i think liverpool know that even if they score early that even if they've got all the ball you've got and if you have the front three like you just mentioned there you've got opportunities to score you will win the ball back and you've got the opportunity to break and that game is going to be set up for the counter. City will have that in their heads as well. So as much as they're thinking, we've got to go for this, they're also thinking if they score one, our job becomes that more difficult if they score two. And so every time 
they go for it a part of them is also going to be thinking goodness we've got to protect ourselves here because you know no matter how much we go for it they're going to be ready to hurt us um and guardiola even you know post-match press conference when he was asking can you keep a clean sheet against this liverpool side this liverpool front three at and at uh, the etihad and you know he was like so so difficult so so difficult but when he was answering the question i wasn't interested in the words i was interested in the reaction of his face and i could see it. it it was paining him to think that you know they would have to keep a clean sheet because it it the the challenge and i think company was you know right to come out and be um defiant bullish yeah yeah because i mean it is there they are a phenomenal team they've showed they can score goals but i think they also know that any opportunity they give to Liverpool, any small weakness will be exploited. That's what we need to drum into our heads as well. I think we need to almost forget about the idea of repeating the nil at the Etihad. We need to repeat the three. I think we need to be in a situation where they've... Cause <laughs> they've if they, got to score seven. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, Vincent Company's there. He's trying to put 5-1 in the heads. It's a very uh, old-school European mentality. I think of the kind of thing that Barcelona or Juventus would do if they'd lost the first leg and say they needed a 2-0 victory. They'd, that old fans would have the 2-0 around. They'll be hammering that idea into your heads. 2-0, 2-0. Because when it gets to 1-0, then you're already thinking about it. But what that forgets, if we score first, then they've got to score five. They've not just got to score five, they've got to score five in a row. Now, we have the opportunity every time we go and attack them and score to then put that back. And if we keep doing that and keep putting it back and keep pushing the mountain higher and higher, then they're going to be more and more desperate. And the, the clinical way that we took our chances at Anfield was as important to remember about as the good defensive rear guard. They've also got a strange game in there as well. Mel says the game that we don't want, Rick, is, is the Merseyside derby. Um, it goes without saying that nothing will please Jose Mourinho more than a horrific Manchester United performance at the Etihad that involves time-wasting, that involves yellow cards, that involves bad tackles, that involves spoiling the game of football in the most profound way possible and finding a way for Manchester United to ensure Manchester City don't get the pleasure of winning the league in front of them. And that throws something on Guardiola's toes as well, doesn't it? Because... He won't want to. He won't want to lose an entire season, even whilst winning the league. Ironically, in one week, he could. You know, they could still go on and win it next week or the week after. But it wouldn't feel the same if they've gone out to the European Cup and not done it in front of Manchester City. Sorry, in front of Manchester United. It's really hard for him, is what I'm saying. I don't envy him his next team selection. Yeah, there's there's the kind of added pressure on him that you've got this team that's won so many games this season. They've not had a situation where they've got back-to-back defeats. Do you want to be going into a game where you need to win by at least four goals off the back of your first two defeats of a season, like back-to-back defeats? You know, that's that's a mindset. It doesn't matter if he changes the players. doesn't matter. And their squad's not as replete in quality as you would like to think. If you look at, I think they've had, uh, is it Z- Zinchenko? Playing far more games than you would expect. Because they've 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 got struggles in certain areas. Yeah, some places they look fine. If Guerrero's back, then up top they're fine. Wide players they look fine because they've got them playing in the middle of the park, which means move them, bring some of these more central midfielders in. But you don't. For every every city fan that I've spoken to, they've said 
we're, we're, we would love to win the Champions League, but the league's what we're about. Right? We, we don't have that history. We don't have, well, we don't have that recent history in people's minds where we're a dominant team winning all these trophies. We want to get our, our name up there, our number of league victories up there with the top teams in the country. And I, I don't think you can see past the, the, the belief that that would give City fans going to the Etihad on Tuesday night to have had the experience of just beating their rivals, winning the title in front of them. Very quickly, because we need to work out what we're going to do, and I haven't got the answer to that, by the way, but we might be able to do it as a group uh, coming up against um, Sam Allardyce's Everton, Mel. But before then, there is Jose Mourinho's Manchester United and Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. I think we all know what Jose Mourinho is going to do. He's not going to have a shave for four days, uh, and that's, <laughs> that's going to dictate his approach and team selection. But he is also, you know, Guardiola has, has got that, that rivalry that they've had for many a year. I I I'm, I'm, I think it's a really difficult situation now that Guardiola's in because he, as Rick says, there's momentum issues, there's confidence issues, there's all sorts of bits and pieces here around this next team selection and whether or not they do finish the job against Manchester United in terms of the title. I think he's got ahead of this uh, early Pep because you know even in the build up to to the Liverpool game, he's been saying our focus is is on the Champions League games. We will rest players for. For United, it's it's not as big as the games against Liverpool. Now that could be mind games, but I don't really think so. And I think you know, even after Wednesday, it's only heightened the fact now that they've got to be strong on Tuesday in front of their own fans. And as much as they want to win the league against United, I think actually that he'll be quite confident if he makes three changes, four changes. He he he's not dealing with an injury crisis, so he's not in the position that. Klopp is in where you know if he's got to to shuffle his pack he's relying on bare bones academy players and all that stuff he's still got quality players that he can throw into this game and be confident of you know dismantling United's uh, obstructive approach which we know it will be so I don't think for him it's as much of an issue as it is at the moment for Klopp because he's got so many more players he can count on. So this is Klopp's problem. And Mo, pick me a team. Oh, really? You give <laughs> me on, this Mo. one? Pick me a team. Dang. Well, um, I think we saw it to say Karius in goal. Uh, yeah, I'll stick yeah. Karius in goal. <laughs> I think I would change both fullbacks so Moreno and Klein coming in. Um... Oh, I'm going to go move past the central defence. Uh, I would pick Henson, obviously. Uh, I would look at bringing in the, someone like Ben Woodburn to play in the midfield and probably Milner alongside. Uh, up front, uh, I'd be looking at Danny Ings. I would have Firmino on the bench. I would have... Oh, God, this is tough, man. you got to pick Solanke? Yes, yes. You've got to pick uh, Solanke, so you're still looking for centre-halves. You're still going to play one more up front. You've gone with Milner. I think, Mel, again, we're going to talk about Wijnaldum. We've talked about him a lot. Let's keep going. I wonder if there's an argument with Wijnaldum, and I understand to what you're saying. To tr- just get him into some rhythm, get him into play, and get him, get him time on the pitch where he's, where he, where he's involved and, and, and at the fulcrum of things. Yeah, I see, the, I see the logic behind that, but at the same time, you're looking at it and you're thinking, if anything happens to him... Then you're actually. So who would you play in midfield? So you play Henderson, Woodburn, and who else? I put Woodburn in your mouth there, but (laughs) (laughs) no, I would have gone for something like that. But um, I think you'd you'd have to go. 
if I'm looking at the three Ox, Wijnaldum, Milner, and thinking who's least likely to come off worse for wear in a derby, I'm probably going Milner, and that would influence the decision. I think that was my uh, as well. Yeah, but it's so, so... Di- I don't envy Klopp. I, I, and I think you could see on his face today, you know, when questions were coming in about team selection, it is going to be so, so, so difficult because you obviously... This is a game that means so much to the city, to players, to fans. And so you don't want to completely forget about it or reduce it to that level in your head that it's nothing because it's not. But at the same time, you know that that Champions League tie is not over. You know what you're going to face at the Etihad. Uh, The players as well won't want to be, you know, exerting themselves too much in the derby because for fear of this cri- injury crisis that they're in there will be you know it will be in the back of their heads that it could get worse it, it they don't need none of them want it to be them that misses out on tuesday so it's got all these factors to consider and i think in there the mentality stuff rick and it's interesting because mel, mel says it's not worth anything uh, sorry it's always worth something to the city but i'm not talking to many liverpool supporters who who are who even want to see that stronger side? You know, I, I think that there'll be there'll always be some noise. There'll always be some people saying you should do it a bit differently. But almost everyone I'm talking to is like, don't care. It's all about the Man City game. Don't care. And on this, but I also think the mentality point. I'm worried about getting an injury. You know, going forward, if you pick eleven lads who pretty much know they're not starting on Tuesday anyway, yeah, you'll get a different mentality, and you might get yeah. a more of a gang mentality of all right, then they're going to sort Tuesday out. We'll sort Everton out. Let's go and play a game of footy. Yeah. And I'd rather have that, I think. Yeah, I think if, you, if you've got a team who are 100% up for it rather than a team who are holding even 10, 20% back mm-hmm. for fit. For, and, and to be honest, that's where you get injuries anyway, with yeah. people not going full blooded into things. The, my only query on maybe putting Milner in the side is could he do four games in 10 days? Absolutely agree. Oh, you know, a, it's, mm. it, for me, that's, that's a risk. I, you know, not saying. He's less likely to get an injury than Wijnaldum or anything, but it's just the pace he's going to have to play out on Tuesday. He's, he's what, 32? I, I keep, every time I'm on here, I make some comment about him being old. He's significantly younger than me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get that so often when I, when I look at a player, I'm like 29 old, and then I'm like, Mel, younger than you are. Mm, so. But, you know, the, the, the big one for me, or the, the, the front three, I'd, I'd go with Solanke through the middle, Ings from one side, Mane off the other. Firmino on the bench to bring Mane off after an hour, maybe. I'd then at centre half, I'm putting Lovren and Madison. Yeah, I mean, if if Did Clavin train today, by the yeah, way, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is there any chance Clavin's? Fit? Yeah, that's what I think. That's what we're hoping for. We haven't actually had clarity on Clavin and Klopp. Didn't want to reveal too much about the injury situation because I don't think he wants to give. Everton or even City an idea of, of what could be the changes um, that are coming but I mean the reason I go Lovren and Masterson is if one of those two Lovren or Van Dyke, was to pick up a knock I know which one I'd prefer to be pairing <laughs> another centre half with on Tuesday night and it's Van Dijk yeah. yeah I think Van Dyke is key enough to not 
even take the risk. Yeah. I think with Lovren, I think he's the kind of person who, if it was in an understrength Liverpool team going away to Goodison, he'd absolutely revel in that. I think he'd love the idea of being able to leave this supposedly weakened Liverpool team to glory over there. And I think having him... And he's a big dog. Yeah, exactly. And having him, and that actually, I'm still thinking of him coming through the mist towards Mane after he scores. Last I don't want to see Mane anywhere close <laughs> to that starting lineup, if I'm being honest, because the imagery of him picking up injuries against Everton is still quite he clear. He would definitely in my get targeted as well. I yeah. think. I think he's one who the nature of how he plays in terms of his, his trickery and the way he can sometimes look like he's embarrassing a guy by just leaving him for dead. And on top of everything that happened last season, I think if Evertonians, they're not necessarily got high uh, ideals for this game in terms of a win could potentially mean that they stick with Allardyce, which they don't want. But a win for them is stopping us getting okay. through in Europe. Okay, okay. We're coming short, close to the end of the show. Uh, give me a prediction. Isn't this mad? Mo? <laughs> um, um, oh. I'm going to say 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one. Mel? 2-0 Liverpool. Uh, Danny ingredients with both see he's getting a hat trick for me it's 3-0 3-0 Danny Dang, all assisted by no goals Dom uh, <laughs> excellent stuff there you go I'll tell you what I like the idea of Rick McAvoy's Jordan Henderson led ragtag army turning up to Goodison Park and scoring three goals to Everton's none we will see about that I've been saying all week if there's a derby that I, I've, I've been talking about for football about, about, about football now since 2011 I've never had to talk about Liverpool losing a Merseyside derby and all the time I've said they're going to win one at some point they're going to win one at some point that's literally how football happens they're going to win one at some point and this you know if I was an Evertonian I'd be thinking this is the one that we're going to win uh, we'll find out about that all the stuff that you need on the Anfield wrap around every aspect of your Liverpool support and life the Anfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe you can get that as well thank you very much to Mel to Mo and to Rick let's go Reds it's two big games back to back but you know which one really really matters Sports Social Podcast Network